So we are on day 9,543 of the COVID lockdown. Is that metric or standard? That is standard. Oh, okay. Yeah. We only do uh, shit in metrics. Oh, not COVID. No, no, no. No COVID in metrics. So, but did we skip the murder hornets? Um, you know, it seems like with the rest of the world up in arms, the murder hornets apparently went back to Japan. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's good. We scared them off. That's it. So. But, you know, I heard something. What'd you hear? You're going to be upset. Oh, no. It's about Carol Baskin. Oh, my friend Carol Baskins. That bitch. That bitch. She's getting Joe Exotic Zoo. Well, I mean, there's not much left of his zoo, is there? No, that other guy had gotten it. Rob Lowe? Yeah. Yeah, Rob and Lowe, isn't he an actor? No, yeah, it's not Rob Lowe. Jim Lowe? No, I Somebody think it, Lowe. I think it is Rob. I don't think it's Rob. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, that guy somehow didn't legally get it or something was done wrong. No, I think she's always had it. She's just never opted to take it. Because she was awarded the whole thing when she won the lawsuit against Joe Exotic because okay. he couldn't pay her the X a million dollars that she wanted. Well, I think she's getting it at the end of June. Yeah, like he's, yeah Rob Lowe's got three or 30, 30 days, days to get out. Yep. I don't think his name's Rob. It may not be. I don't know. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson's got to get out of that zoo. <laughs> and he's going to say fuck somewhere along in there. He is. Get now that motherfucking zoo before that bitch gets there. All right, so we ready to get this started? Let's get started. All right, here we go with our warning. This podcast may not be suitable for children. If you are easily offended or bothered by strong language or dark humor, this may not be the podcast for you. This podcast accepts no responsibility for butthurt feelings or erections lasting longer than four hours. Thank you. And welcome to the What the Was That Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne. And I'm Jill. And uh, today, I think we're going to touch on a a serial killer, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. And and I think we're also going to shoot for not having to need any editing tonight. Oh, this should be fun. Because we got about two hours before our episode goes live. And we're just now recording. <laughs> Yay! Tuesday night, Wednesday release. It is 9.54 right now. Yeah, and I had some work stuff going on, and you got some new toys in. Oh, I did. I got lots of new toys today, and they were supposed to come in a day apart from each other, but they came in on the same day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So here we are at 10 o'clock recording our podcast. Yes. And go. Okay, so today <laughs> we're going to cover probably what could be and. As bad as this sounds, could be one of my favorite serial killers. I, I definitely would put him up the list of mine. Yeah. I mean, it's like if this guy wasn't a serial killer, we could be friends. I mean, he doesn't want to kill people anymore, so it's cool now, right? Yeah. I mean, he fixed the problem. 
Well, he didn't fix it. He just made sure he was locked up where he couldn't no more. Well, no, I think when he uh, his last victim, which we will cover, I think fixed it. Because okay. remember, yeah. we will cover this in yes. a minute. Yeah, we'll get there. So, but you, in case we haven't dropped enough hints. Okay, so this fella is two hundred and eighty pounds. I think so. Probably more now. And stands roughly six foot nine, which is three inches taller than the Michael Jordan. He's a big dude. He is massive. So big. Like oh my to gosh. call him Big Ed. Big Ed. Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper. Actually, Edmund Emil Kemper the third. Ooh, a three in there. A Look three at that. in there, yeah. I like it. Kind of worrying now that I've done something and my kid's going to grow up and murder people. Isn't he a fourth? He is. That's even, so it's good. Okay, it's just odd numbers. Sounds good to me. That explains a lot. (laughs) 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 Whoops, he listens. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Big Phil, we just picking. Yeah. All right, so... Our friend Ed was born on December 18th, 1948, and he's actually still around. Yes. Uh, Is he still in prison? He is. He's kicking it at the California Medical Facility State Prison, and he is 71 years old. And he went to prison when he was 24, correct? 24 or 25. And he spent the majority of his life in prison. Right. Now, Ed is a real smart dude, too. Uh, IQ of like 140. You really should look at your notes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's an IQ of 145. Oh, well, see, for shooting off the top of my head, from what <laughs> I remember, I'm really, I did really good. You really are, but you're kind of just like stealing stuff out of my mouth, and you're not even like you're hitting around it, but not quite there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so at least follow along. <laughs> gotcha. Drive on, drill sergeant. So for people who aren't aren't familiar with the IQ scale. An average IQ is between 85 and 115. Sorry, got to adjust the mic a little bit. IQs above 130 are considered to be very high. And anything above 160 is genius. So he's skirting right along about two standard deviations away from genius. Yeah, um, and Einstein, he was, what, up in the... 50s, 160s? Yeah, right, right around 160. I think that's probably where they get our line from. It's right. probably Einstein. wonder where Tesla was on that. Uh, we're not going to talk about him or the government's going to come in and get us. Oh, I ain't got nothing the government wants. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was going to say, you, you believe Tesla did all kinds of things and you could tell some things that they probably don't want you to mention. So, Well, they already know it. Yeah. They don't want other people to know it. I, they, other people read the same books I did. <laughs> so, all right. Do you want to talk about Kemper and his dear old Granny and Gramps, or you want me to? Um, you know, I kind of feel I'm going to let you lead off with, with Mom and Paul. Okay. So, when Ed was 15 years old, he was living with his paternal grandparents. Um, Dad and Mom had split. And mom apparently thought that Ed might sexually abuse his sisters. So there was some bad blood there. So he was living with his dad's parents. 
On August 27, 1964, Ed was sitting at the kitchen table with his grandma. Her name was Maud Matilda Huey Kemper. Now, to interrupt, and I don't see it on here, and it may, we may not even know, but at 15, he was already like 6'2", wouldn't he? He was pretty tall. I mean... He was already a... A, a big he, dude. Abnormally large guy. Yeah. At 15. I mean, yeah. that's big. I mean... My kids haven't grown a lot since 15, 16. So that's, you start hitting close to your, yeah. where you're going to be around then. Right. Oh, I know. I'm a guy. <laughs> I ain't grew since the fifth grade. <laughs> so, Kemper and Grandma had an argument. So he storms off and he gets his hunting rifle. He walks back in the kitchen, fatally shoots Grandma in the head. And then twice more in the back. Didn't he stab her too? Some reports say he stabbed her and some don't. So kind of unsure on that. We know he shot her. So there's a possibility. Yes. So his grandfather, who in case you didn't back that up and figure it out, is Edmund Emil Kemper Sr. Returned home from the grocery store. Kemper goes outside. And fatally shoots Grandpa in the driveway. He didn't know what to do, so he called his mom, who told him to call the police. And he sits and he waits on the police to come and get him. Now, the... Well... It's in there. Hang on. Sorry. (laughs) So, after he was arrested while he was being interviewed, Kemper said he just wanted to see what it felt like to kill his grandmother. And then he killed his grandfather so he wouldn't have to come in the house and see that his wife was dead. So that kind of shows that there's um, not remorse, but there was, um, what's the word looking Empathy. For? Empathy. Empathy or compassion or, or yeah. something. He didn't want his granddad to go through the trauma of seeing his grandmother dead on the floor. Right. So. And that's, that's not typical for serial killers to think of others' feelings. Right. At all, so this he's he's really interesting. I'd I'd love to just sit and talk to him. That's De- the psychology major in me, I guess. I mean, I just like to sit and talk to him. Period, and not even about the murders. I think just talking to him as a close to average person as I could right. would be great. So, of course, remember he was fifteen when this happened. Mm-hmm. So he goes to court. The psychiatrist diagnosed him as paranoid schizophrenic. He gets sentenced to a Tascadero State Hospital as a criminally insane juvenile. And at the age of 21, he convinced psychiatrists he was rehabilitated and was released. you got to remember, he had a really high IQ. And in what we just watched a few minutes ago, he apparently placed himself into doing jobs in the facility where he had access to case notes, got to know doctors. Basically, he was learning what to say. He to, worked the system. To get out of there. That's it. He learned, like, what qualified him for what diagnosis, but probably memorized a DSM. Right. And just made sure he didn't have the symptoms anymore. Mm-hmm. And out he goes. So, even in, in juvie, I say juvie, in Psycho Kid Prison. He was still a 
a a good inmate. Yeah, he was he was like a model patient. He right. Did he, his therapy. He, he was there for any, six years. Didn't have any issues and pretty much had to run the place. Right. So yeah. good on him. Yep. So then we fast forward. We get to May 1972. Between May 1972 and April 1973, Ed Kemper killed eight more people. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier. There is no gap between 72 and 73. And I think there, by the definition of serial killer, there has to be a cooling off period. So, But he didn't just do it day after day after day. Right. So I wonder if the weeks in between I'd have to revisit our definition right to remember but he definitely was a multiple murderer yeah and I, I kind of think that he still fits the serial killer line it just may not be that long cooling off period where like Jeffrey Dahmer waited what was it eight years before he right. killed again right and I don't like I don't remember if there was a specific amount of time it had to be or if it just had to be a cycling and cooling off and right. murdering again. So, just a thought. Yeah. If you know and you think I'm wrong, you can tell me on Facebook. Speaking of. Yes, we have a shout out. We do have a shout out because we had our first comment. On a Facebook post. On a Facebook post. After three weeks of begging. After, yes, three <laughs> weeks. And Mr. Joey York, you know who you are. Yay. You got a sticker coming your way, bud. We got excited. We did. Very yep. excited. Y'all comment some stuff. So, anywho, let's go back to Big Ed. Yep. Back you want to you want to kick it off with what happened in May of 1972? I sure will. So in May of 1972, Ed had picked up two 18-year-old hitchhikers, Mary Ann. How do you say that? I think Pesci. Pesci, and Anita Luchessa. Luchessa. And he drove them to a secluded wooded area near Alameda, where he handcuffed handcuffed them, stabbed, and strangled them to death. He put the bodies in his trunk, and Kemper returned to his apartment where he photographed their bodies and had, had sex with them before dismembering and putting them in plastic bags. So, had sex with the bodies. Right. You know, here's the thing about this. And this is, for me, is the weird part about it. I kind of I kind of follow the whole... I get the killing thing. I don't get it, but I, I you know... What I have a hard time understanding is the, the cutting up of a body. It intrigues me, because... I know so many stories where it's happened and you know and to look at Ed I call him by his first name like we're BFF we're buddies <laughs> on the videos we were watching I just can't see this guy chopping up bodies it just, he just don't look like it no cause he just seems like a nice guy oh yeah an all around nice guy which is probably why he was able to get these people in his car yeah I'm I'm dead I mean yeah. cause I, I'm done in <laughs> I mean, I gotta admit, he kind of looks like, like as a woman, I probably wouldn't get in the car with him just being a single man because he's a big dude, and he kind of looks a little pervy. Yeah. Well, first up, if he gets out of the car before I get in, 
ain't no way in hell. Because I'm five, five and a half. This man is a foot and four inches taller than me. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. So he's so, got him in the bags. Then he's in the bags. And Kemp, Kemper disposes of the bags near Loma. Is that Pri- right? Yeah, Loma Prieta. I don't. I guess Loma Prieta Mountains. Jose. <laughs> Jose. <laughs> <laughs> throwing it way back. Way back. Before throwing. What's her name again? Pesci. Pesci and Lu- Luchessa. Luchessa's head in a ravine where he orally raped them. So basically, he has these severed heads. And he does the and thing he's, with them. Yeah, putting yeah. his thing in their mouth. Yeah. Until he does things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I guess we can take turns since these are separated out for us. Yes, please do. So on September 14th, 1972, Kemper picked up 15 year old, and I believe this was his youngest victim, 15 year old Aiko Koo who was hitchhiking to dance class because she had missed her bus. He drove her to a remote area at gunpoint. And now this is actually the one that he mentioned in that interview and talked about that he got out of the car and he accidentally locked himself out of the car and the gun was in the car. Right. And he talks her into letting him back in. Mm-hmm. At which point he chokes her unconscious rapes her and kills her persuasive yeah he then goes to a local bar and has a few (laughs) drinks before taking Koo's body back to his apartment who was he having drinks with well funny you should mention that his favorite bar hangout was the local bar that all the police like to go to and he chummed it up with the police officers. They knew him by name and talked with him and hung out with him. Had a few beers. And he, and he had, he had body. a body in his trunk. Wow. Uh, yeah. Ballsy. Yeah. So he has some beers with the poli- the local police officers. Takes a body back to his house. Has sex with it. And dismembers her. Then disposes of her body. You know... Dahmer was very methodical in his dismembering and disposing of the bodies. You don't hear how Kemper done it. I think I saw that he used a power saw. Yeah, but how do you, I mean, with forensics, how do you not make such a mess? That's my thing is the mess. Well, I think that's the thing, though, is whether he had a mess or not, nobody was looking. But it's going to stink. I think in one of the interviews I saw at least one or two of the bodies, he was outside in the front yard cutting the bodies up. Wow. And nobody noticed. It was at like 11 o'clock at night. If somebody's outside using power tools at 11 o'clock at night, I'm probably going to be curious. Yeah. That's just me, though. I you don't know. know. I'm that neighbor. Hey, buddy, what you doing? <laughs> what you got over there? Did, did you go find you a deer? What what you got there? That don't look like no deer. It, is that a person? You know what? I'm just going to go back over here to my house. And uh, I didn't see nothing. 
Because you're six foot nine, two hundred and eighty pounds, and I scared. And you got a power saw and a dead body. Yep. So, on to the next one, January seventh, nineteen seventy three. Where was our buddy living now? Um, in on January seventh and seventy three. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had moved back in with his mama. Because they had such a great relationship. Yes, such a wonderful relationship. And he the juvenile had, courts had actually recommended that he never live with his mother again. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, good reason. Mm-hmm. And we will discuss that in a bit, I think. Yeah. Um, he has he had picked up another 18-year-old, uh, Cynthia Ann, Cindy. Is that Shaw? I think so. Shaw, Shaw. I'm going to go with Shaw. Kemper drove Shaw to a wooded area where he fatally shot her with a twenty-two rifle or pistol. It was a pistol. Pistol. Yeah. So he took her body back home, hid it in his closet. When his mother left for work the next day, he had sex with the corpse and removed the bullet, then this dismembered her in his mother's bathtub. Well, see there. Answer some of your question. That's where the blood went. Yeah. Down the drain. So. He's pretty smart about it. Yeah. He- How did he get the body in, with his, into the closet with his mother home? Okay. I, I'm just basing this off of a, a theory, I guess, or just a guess. He's six foot nine. He gonna pick this little girl up like she ain't crap and just waltz her into the house. Yeah, like he's carrying a Barbie doll. I mean, I could easily tote a hundred and twenty pound woman dead weight through the house, and I'm I'm not that strong or big. Right. And you know, back in my prime when I was at twenty four, twenty two, whenever all this is happening, I probably could have done it because you know I. Just didn't come out of the military right then. Right. So, this guy's big. And well, here in about a week, we're about to see if you can get a much bigger woman up some steps after I have foot surgery. Oh, not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> I ain't even worried about that. Plus, if I have to, I'll call Tiny. <laughs> Just in case y'all need to know this, Tiny's my buddy at work, who's about 6'4", about 300 pounds. He, he's, a, he's a big old boy, too. And as far as we're aware, he's never killed anyone. He has not. He's, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah. So, let's see. Where did I get to? Top of the page. Kemper buried Shaw's head. Oh, you skipped a part. This? Yeah. Oh. Kemper kept Shaw's severed head for several days, engaging in oral sex with it. Kemper buried Shaw's head in his mother's garden facing upwards towards her bedroom because his mother always went wanted people looking up to her. Wow. And I think they exaggerated on that a little bit in Mindhunter because yeah. in Mindhunter they said he kept all the heads and he, he and didn't. buried them by her kitchen window or whatever, but right. it was just the one. Right. Like that, just the one. Like that's nothing. Just, just that one. <laughs> he only had one head buried in his yard. Um, 
he threw the the rest of her remains off a cliff, which I don't think they ever found the rest of her. I don't. There were, I think, two girls they never found the rest of. Yeah, and he even led them to where he had disposed of the body. But you know, Mother Nature does her thing. Yeah, animals and erosion Animal. and weather decay. Yeah, it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but we did see a difference too in that video we were watching that said he buried the head outside his own window so i guess there's some discrepancy on that too right but i think i've heard more often that it was outside his mother's window yeah because he didn't have that great relationship with his mother no i mean yeah it was bad speaking of february 5th 1973 kemper was searching for victims after arguing with his mother and I think we had seen an interview with him where he was saying that basically that's when he would go kill. Is yes. When he was fighting with his mom. Yeah, when he, when him and his mom were at odds and fighting with each other is when he, he, he didn't know how to escape from that stress. And, and he went out and found people. To kill. To kill. To release that, that anger. He should have just screamed in a pillow or something. <laughs> so, by this point, hitchhikers had been advised not to accept rides from anyone without a university sticker on their car out of concern that there was possibly a serial killer in the area. So, as long as I had a sticker on my car, I could pick up, they could get in the car with me and feel safe. Apparently. That's it, what the, the theory, the theory. Is. Yeah, yeah, because... They had started noticing that several of these girls had gone missing at this point. I don't think they had even learned that they were dead. Right, and they, they were just all knew they were missing. All college, all college age. It's had that one little girl that was fifteen. Yeah. And so they, in hitchhiking in the seventies, was not kind of like calling an Uber. Right. You know, it wasn't. And even now, I mean, calling an Uber. How do you know Ed Kemper's not your Uber driver? True. So, yeah, maybe rethink that one. Guess we're not getting sponsored by Uber anytime soon. Nah, I can sweet talk them. <laughs> so, oddly enough, Ed Kemper had a university sticker on his car. What? No way. Yeah, his mother worked at the school. Yeah, yes, she did. She was an, an administrative assistant. Yep, secretary. Yep, I was trying to be fancy. <laughs> so, he actually had one of these stickers on his car. And so he would pull up to pick them up, and they'd be like, oh, look, it's just this guy that Has comes to the school, so we can get in the car with him. He can't be the killer. So hmm. 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice Helen Allison Lou. That's get a it? mouthful. Yeah. I, I'm assuming she goes by Allison because her name was Alice Helen, and if you rush it all together, it sounds like Allison. <laughs> That's my theory. Anyways, they got in Kemper's car, where, from what I was reading, it sounds like he pretty much just immediately shoots them with the twenty-two. Like he's out looking for somebody to kill, so they get in the car, bang, bang, dead. Right. He doesn't even take them anywhere. So he brings their bodies, once again, back to Mama's house. He decapitated them in the car... I don't know how he did that without leaving blood everywhere. And he and shooting him in the car. I mean... What about the windows? Yeah, his car had to just been... Well, in a, a twenty-two at point blank 
may or may not make it through your head. So it might just have bounced around in there. Yeah. Still would have, like, decapitating them is going to leave some blood. Just going to leave all the blood. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because that's where your two main arteries are. Well, actually, I guess. I mean, I guess if he leaves them up, upright. It'd be like a bowl, but. I don't know. I don't, We're thinking must, too much about this. He must have seat belted a man. Ed Kemper, please call us and let us know how you prevented all this blood from spilling in your car. Uh, let's not. Do you know, Mr. Kemper, you don't have to call me at all. I'd talk to him. Oh, I would too, but I don't want to invite him. <laughs> well, he's in jail. You never know. He's would, probably got an iPhone in jail. Well, I don't care if he calls. He's not going to come to our house. You don't know that. I'll FaceTime him. FaceTime me, Ed. Let's go. <laughs> He's 71 now. We could take him. He's had a stroke. Okay. <laughs> that makes all the difference in the world. He had a stroke, so now he's just a... a He's only half of six foot nine. Whatever. Yeah. Drive on. Anyways. um, Where was I? Uh, oh, yeah. He decapitated them in the car. Mm-hmm. Takes their bodies in the house. Now he's got to be spilling blood. Yeah, just... Pouring it everywhere. And, of course, he has sex with the bodies. And at this point, and this is going to sound horrible, do you wonder which end? Well. Because. I, I mean. I, it's a legit question. Well, and I, I wondered, too, and, and I've mentioned this to you, but I might as well say it on here. I wonder, did Ed ever have sex with a living person? That, I, I, I have never heard mention of it. Question number two, call me Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're, we're not making fun of any of this, it's just... I make jokes about stuff to deal with it, that's what I do. It, it's just one of those things, that, yeah, we just... It, keep a little humor, because yeah. it's really dark, and once again... I mean, we can't bring these girls back. That's the thing. We can't. And Ed Kemper has really actually done a lot, and I'll get to that later. Yes. To help try to further law enforcement investigations and stuff like that. So Right. He had a major role in in developing the Behavioral Analyst Unit, BAU. Yeah. So, you know, we we make a lot, but we we can't bring these girls back. We're we're sharing their story. and, And it's just our spin on it. Right. So, it says he removed the bullets, so he's smart. Yeah. Does he keep them? I guess. I don't know what he'd do with them. I would. Then he dismembers the bodies, and he discards the remains the next day. Now, this one didn't say anything about their heads. I don't know if he left them in the car, if he brought them in separately from the bodies. And think about this, too. Now he's got two decapitated bodies spilling blood everywhere and two heads. How's he carrying all that into Mama's house unnoticed? One at a time. <laughs> this is not like grocery pickup. <laughs> we ain't just going to carry everything at just once. Just line all the bags up <laughs> on your it. arm. And <laughs> he I mean, got one girl over each shoulder and a fistful of hair in each hand. And <laughs> I'm picturing it now. Yeah, this is awful. <laughs> anyway, but back to your question, too, about which end... For one, when he was a teenager in his puberty years, he was in a hospital for the criminally insane. So, Ed probably was involved in some 
non-consensual activities in that place. Probably so, yeah. Whether on the giving or receiving end. Right. Or both. So, we could be talking anything yeah. as possible. Yeah. But, in Mindhunter, and of course I'm basing it on a fictional show, he did kind of graphically describe why it was better to engage in sex with a severed throat versus a mouth because the mouth is much looser and gives more and there's more pushback and it's firmer and tighter Mm -hmm. when it's the neck. Right. So, And I think that was the part where he was talking about his... But yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. <laughs> but I, I didn't see any confirmation of that in anything I read. Right. So I don't know totally if that was just for, for the show. shock value of, of the show. Because it worked, if right. it was. But we do know he was at least holding severed heads and doing things yeah. to them. So it's not out of the scope of possibility. So then we get to... An interview um, that he did that kind of threw this in there, and I'll cover that while we're talking about decapitated heads. Um, Kemper has given many interviews since he's been in prison. And he said in one that the reason he decapitates his victims, and this is a quote, the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut the head off and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. Wow. I thought you would appreciate that quote because a piece of it's not that similar from what you were told as a kid. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, except for mine was, yeah. You take the head and the body follows or something right. like that. If you can control your head, your body follows. And that was demonstrated with a large hog because we lived on a hog farm. And my dad took a um, a little hook and a stick and hooked it through the, the nose ring of this hog and twisted it. And when he twisted it, he gained control of that hog's head. And that, this hog was, you know three four hundred pounds and he led that hog to a different stall and that hog came willingly did not fight it because he had control of his head and my dad said son you control your head you control your body and then it also makes me think too of people saying like if you cut the head off the snake the body dies you know cut the head off of it well that's true but here's the thing if you cut the head off of a poisonous snake or a venomous snake and you prick yourself with a tooth, you still bit. You're still going to get some of that venom in there. So right. it, that's not the best analogy in the world because right. even a dead snake can still kill you. Right. So, I, But I thought that was a an interesting... Like I said, that's what fascinates me so much about him is he's so open Right. In discussing this stuff and answering questions. And he don't get angry. He don't get upset. It's just like, you know, you can tell that he he 
did it, but he did it out of necessity for him to survive in his head. And and I think probably the flat affect that he has is probably part of his mental health disorder. Probably so. Whatever it may truly be. Right. Is there no telling what's going through his mind? Right. And I don't think you can get an accurate picture at this point because he's so smart and has learned so much over time that you can't get an accurate picture of it. Right. Um, Did you talk about why um, the the chicken reference? Is this the only one you have here? Um, I'm not sure what chicken reference you're talking about. So, in one of the interviews I listened to, he talked about as a child, he was forced to watch... I did uh, not talk about that. He was forced to watch his dad... And I've seen this a million times, and thank goodness it didn't affect me. Um, take two of his pet chickens and wring their necks, and when you you know that's when you pop the body off the head, and the body runs around, and he was made to eat the chickens for dinner, and he says that had an effect on him, and that may have what led may have caused what led him to decapitate so much. Yeah, that when you kill something, you have to cut its head off right and that's you know when you said that up here about the chickens that's that popped into my mind because yeah i i tried on a lot of this stuff to hit the high points because he has done so many interviews there's i mean there is so much out there about right and he's been covered and once again we're just following suit mainly because we we enjoyed the 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 butcher and the baker the butcher and the baker and we're in you know, with Ed, it's just something we dove into, and it's like, wow. We were actually going to cover two serial killers today, but there's just so much on Ed Camper that it would have been a three-hour show if we yeah, covered somebody else. I'm not down for three hours. Yeah. Matter so, of fact, we need to get driving on yeah. at 37 minutes. Yeah. So, um, but I do need to throw in too. We hit 100 downloads on Butcher and the Baker today. We did. So I'm pretty excited about that. Very excited. First episode to hit 100 downloads. Woohoo! Yeah, yes. Go team. Slap hands. <laughs> All right. So, you want to kick us off with what happened on April 20th, 1973? Some, some big oh, stuff went down yeah. that day. Yeah, let's let's get into this. So, as she said, on April 20th, 1973, Kemper's mother, 52-year-old 50, Clarnell Elizabeth Strandberg? Yes. Woke him up when she came in late from a party. Mama out partying. Mama hoeing around. Kemper came into her room and she said, I suppose you're going to want to sit up and talk all night. Kemper replied, No, good night. Once Steinberg fell... I'm sorry. Strandberg. Steinberg. What is Steinberg from? I don't know. You can call call her Clarnell. Okay. (laughs) Once Clarnell fell asleep, Kemper bludgeoned her with a claw hammer and then slit her throat. Kemper despised her. Nope. Nope. Decapitated. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I'm sorry. That's the first mess up I've had that I've... It is. You're doing okay, though. Um, because I wanted to see despise. Because he said he despised her. He did. But he also decapitated her. Yeah. He decapitated her and had oral sex with her head. Pattern. 
once again, not sure what end of her head. Right. Kemper then put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour, throwing darts at it and smashing her face in and cut out her tongue and her larynx. Swap pages here. And then he took her larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. And the vocal cords were too tough to break down and came back up in the sink. Kemper later... Was it mush? Mused. Mused. Mused that it was appropriate as much as she had bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. She kind of got one last yell back in when her <laughs> vocal cords vomited back up in the sink from the garbage disposal. I, you know what? Can you imagine what he, he went through his mind at that point? Do you <laughs> think he giggled? He's like, <laughs> bitch. Either that or he was like, you still can't shut your fucking vocal cords up. You got to throw them back up in my face. <laughs> so... Kemper hid the corpse in a closet and went for drinks at a local bar. Which was where he drank with his cop buddies. Yeah, his cop buddies right there. It was dead mama and blood everywhere. So, when he returned home, he invited his mother's best friend, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor, Sarah Taylor Sally Hallett, over for dinner and... In a movie. When Hallett arrived, Kemper strangled her to death to create a cover story that she and his mom had gone on a road trip together. Which we saw something else, too, saying that he was afraid she would be the first to suspect him. Right. Well, yeah, because... um, yeah, it's suspecting because she would probably be the first one to come over and find out that right. she was gone. So maybe it was a two birds, one stone thing. Right. So Kemper pled. That's fled. That was my fled. bad handwriting. Yeah. Kemper fled. Was that a thousand? A thousand miles. I left out a word. Oh, see. <laughs> she says she wrote this for me. <laughs> hey, I did good till that page. Yeah. We're, well, I'm, I'm not going to complain. Um, he fled a thousand miles to Pueblo, Colorado, where he didn't hear any news about the murders of his mother and Hallett. He called the police and confessed to killing them. The officer didn't take him seriously and told him to call back later. Really? Yep. Wow. He calls and says, hey, I killed my mom and this other lady. And they're like, yeah, sure, buddy. Calls back in a little bit. So, Kimber called back later and asked to speak to an officer he knew. Probably from the Personally. Bar. <laughs> and again, confessed to killing his mother and Hallett. After he was taken into custody, he also confessed to killing the six girls. Now, there was also another incident where Kemper had bought a forty-four Magnum pistol. And when the the shop owner went to the police station to hand over the information of people who had bought the guns and they were running them and doing their thing with it, he popped up. And what popped up was a juvenile record that had been expunged. Right, because he was a murderer. Right, so they sent a rookie cop over to get the gun from Kemper. (laughs) 
He drew the short straw. Yes, he drew the short straw, and he didn't. They didn't know where he lived because the addresses were a little confusing. And he walks up to a guy that's sitting in the car, kind of laid over, fidgeting with something under the seat. And he said, "Excuse me, sir. Uh, can I talk to you for a second? And when the guy got out of the car, he got out of the car and kept getting out of the car and kept getting out of the car and wow this is a big guy and at that point he knew that was Kemper yeah and he told him what was up Kemper went back to the back of the car opened it up and they got the gun with no altercation opened the back of the car where all these dead girls had been at some point (laughs) yep and um, whenever he made this call they sent that same cop out to the residence because he knew where it was at right well, and the weird thing is, like, other, this sounds funny, but other than to the people that he murdered, <laughs> Kemper was never really a threat. No, he, a, he wasn't every, a violent person. Everybody thought highly of him. They he was liked him. described multiple times as a gentle giant. Yes, that was used a lot, a gentle giant. And, like, he, he just, he wasn't a threat to that police officer. He, he was only a threat to his targeted victims. He mentioned in interviews he picked up many hitchhikers that he never touched. Right. He carried a woman and her son all the way to Oregon. Portland? I think so. Turned around and came back. Turned around and came back and actually picked up two more on the way back? I don't remember. He also mentioned that when... The buzz started spreading about there being a serial killer in the area. That if the girls would get in and start talking about, oh, yeah, it's kind of scary. There's a serial killer out there. They didn't realize it, but they just got off scot-free because he wouldn't kill them. Right. Because they talked to him. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if it's because they were suspicious or if it fed his ego, maybe, and that was enough for him. Right. Um. But Question he, number three. Call me Ed. He also said that he only killed when he was fighting with his mother. Right. So if he had not confessed to killing his mother, would he have killed another soul? I don't know. I can't I mean, help but to think that he wouldn't because the, his mother was the root of his evil. But he killed his grandmother just because he wanted to see what it would feel like. Yeah, but that was when he was 15. He had been re- rehabilitated. No. I think he still would have kept killing. I think he confessed because he no longer wanted to kill. Maybe so. And I think he said that, something like that, in an interview that he... And I may get to that in a minute. I think I've got a long quote from an interview with him that kind of sums up that thought. Um, But kind of on that same train of thought with him being not violent, he's still in general population in prison. Right. And he's... he's I'm oh, sorry. He's a model prisoner. Right. And, you know, I, we watched a, a snippet of a video, and I don't think it was true, where they said his first couple of months in, he was not a model prisoner, but everything that I have heard and read said he was he was great. Yeah. He was not, not an issue. This says that his first rules violation report was in 2016, and it was for failing to provide a urine sample. Mm. Let's face it, he's pushing 70 at that point. He may not have a great prostate. He may not could have produced a urine sample at that point. Right, and it, it may have been second time or second thing in the morning after he's already peed. Right. 
I mean, I've been in that situation. Plus, in 2015, he had a stroke. Well, that just about put him down. Yeah. So, I don't know. Could have had something to do with it. Right. And as I've said throughout, he's participated in multiple interviews, and it's really helped law enforcement and the general population understand the mind of serial killers. Right. And we were on schedule to go see and meet um, the lady that helped with the uh, FBI's behavioral unit get that off the ground that the movie mine or the show Mindhunter is based off of. Hopefully they'll reschedule that after the COVID quits. Yeah, the COVID messed that up for us. We did not get to go see her, and hopefully we will get to. And if not, maybe as my daughter progresses in her career, she will get to encounter some of these folks that's helped. Yeah. Because that's kind of her field. It's not behavioral, but she is in the forensic side of it. Right. In, in speaking to that, FBI profiler John Douglas said that Kemper is capable of rare insight for a violent criminal. And that I think that's what fascinates me about him so much. Right. Is he is so self-aware. Very. I mean, and he tells you details. It's like when I sit and tell you that I'm being crazy and I know I'm being crazy and I still act crazy. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, he, he just talks about it. And it's like there's no, there's not really any remorse, I don't think. But it's also, like I said, I think it's that's how he helped deal with in his head. Well, let, let me read this quote to you and see if you feel like maybe there's a little bit of remorse. Okay. So he was interviewed in a movie called Murder, No Apparent Motive. And I think that's what we watched a piece of. Okay. And at the end of it, he wanted to leave like a final thought. So he said, there's somebody out there that's watching this and hasn't done that hasn't killed people and wants to and rages inside and struggles with that feeling or is so sure that they have it under control. They need to talk to somebody about it. Trust somebody enough to sit down and talk about something that isn't a crime. Thinking that way isn't a crime. Doing it isn't just a crime. It's a horrible thing. It doesn't know when to quit and can't be stopped easily once it starts. Solid. So that makes me think he is remorseful and that he turned himself in because he couldn't stop on his own. Right. I can see that. I, I really can. And, you know, I can identify with that as well because, you know, that was the hardest thing for me was learning how to talk about some of the stuff that I've experienced. And... When I went through therapy, that's exactly what they told me. They said, if somebody asks and you trust this person, talk. Get it out. Because if you keep it bottled up, it's not going to end well for anybody. And there's still times I have to push you a little bit and remind you of that. Yep. And I don't <laughs> deny that at all. So, kind of to wrap things up on a little more lighthearted note, um, I figured since in our last episode about serial killers... We discussed the pop culture influences that we would get into that a little bit with Ed Kemper. Okay. I, I was unaware of this. She just surprised me with this one. Yeah. Okay. Go. So, Buffalo Bill, we mentioned him when we were talking about Ed Gein. Yep. Silence of the Lamb. 
Um, he apparently took inspiration from several serial killers because he was also inspired by Ed Kemper. Because in Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill also fatally shoots his grandparents as a teenager. Okay. Dean Koontz reported that Kemper was an inspiration for the character, I'm going to say Edgler Vess. Okay, Edgler. That's a cool name. Yeah, in his novel Intensity. And then we've mentioned this so many times, but yeah. it, you, you got to go watch Mindhunter. You have, you have to. to. Get out of my head. <laughs> um, Cameron Britton did an amazing job. Oh, well, let, first up, hats off to Netflix for finding somebody that looks just like him. Well, they did that with all the serial killers, I too. I know, but... And, like, I don't know how if they went searching for people like, hey, you look like Kemper, and then taught them how to act. Right. <laughs> like, but... Ed Kemper plays a major role in that Mindhunter show. Yes. I mean, uh, he is throughout the episodes. Some of the serial killers are like 15 minutes in one episode. Right. Kemper is a recurring character and is so... And I mean, watching the interviews actually with Ed Kemper and then seeing Mindhunter... Right. Dude, he nailed it. Nailed it. So... Kudos to him. Go watch it. Yep. Um, then there's also some songs, and there were more than what I listed. I just kind of picked a few that either sounded interesting or were band names I'd heard of. So he inspired and is discussed in a song called Love Hate by Dystopia. There is another song by... I never know how to say this word. Macabre. Macabre. Yeah. Called Edmund Kemper Had a Horrible Temper. There That's is cheesy. a song called Fortress by System of a Down. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that one up yeah. and see what it's got to do with Kemper. And then there is Temper, Temper, Mr. Kemper by the Celibate Rifles. Huh. <laughs> so, one, I mean... Apparently, we're not the only people that enjoy learning about serial killers and referencing them because, right. I mean, there's lots of bands that write songs about them. A, a lot, which, of course, a lot of the, the metal bands, that's kind yeah, of their thing. Yeah, death metal. I mean, you know, death, yeah. serial killers, they kind of go together. We may do a little bit of the, um, what, what country is it where death metal is huge? You talking about your Mongolian death metal? No, I'm talking about. Uh, I have to look it up and get back with y'all. <laughs> but it's a great story because the the lead singer actually would dig holes in the ground and bury himself so he would smell like dirt. Oh, that's weird. Oh no, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets way worse. You want to do like a mini soda on that? Yeah, it's crazy. But we'll get back to that. Um, so, do you have some? Um, Housekeeping for us. Oh, oh, housekeeping. Yeah, housekeeping. You need towel. You need no pillow. Yeah. Keep talking because I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you would you'd think that we'd know all this stuff by heart you'd by now. But think, but I just know I'm going to screw it up if I don't have it in front of me. I understand. So uh, where can they find us at? They can find us on Facebook and Instagram if you're still doing the Instagram. Uh, most everybody's doing Instagram. Um. Well, I meant you personally, if you're still putting oh, anything on yeah, there. yeah, I do occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you can come check us out at WTF Was That Pod. If you want a sticker, you can send us an email at WTFWTPodcast at gmail.com. You can also throw us some episode ideas. You can ask us some questions. You can tell us some personal stories. You can ask us why we made the cat yell at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. He got hung on the blanket. And I was trying to get him, and you just wanted to rip his claw out. <laughs> no, I tried to poke his foot up, but he was, he's 20 pounds. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, and, of course, as we're talking about metal, <laughs> the cats are going to kill each other now because oh, he's mad at you. <laughs> Um, talking about metal, who does our lovely intro and outro music? House of Curses. Great metal band. Check them out. Um, we need to relink them on our Facebook page, post something new about them, because it's probably kind of gotten down yeah. towards the bottom again. And there's always a link in the show notes, because I always give them some credit yeah. and some love. So, so um, I guess, unless you got any more things other than, you know, Ed, call me. Um, you know, let's chat. Let's I'm, get you on the show and do an interview. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I, I, I guess if you don't have anything else, then hit that button. Okay, so this is very odd for me to speak after our our little outro music plays, but I want y'all to know that there will be absolutely no editing done to this. I am going to post it straight up right now at 1048. When it goes live at midnight. Goes live at midnight, no edit. Hey, yeah. but we did it. We did. Boom. That's two slap hands. Woohoo. Thank y'all guys. <laughs>